Welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Offensive Podcast. This week we have David Zuckman from Obscure Reference Games. He has this amazing game that uh, Ken and I played called Overlords of Infamy. And David, this was a lot of fun. I actually can't wait for people to hear this episode because um, this is something I don't know a lot about. And I it was just uh, fun for me to like actually listen to someone who's in the industry and you know actually create this game that... Uh, um, was so accessible for someone like me, but still had that like feel of quality. It was like much more complex, engaging was, in depth. Yeah, it wasn't just you know shoots and ladders. Um, but yeah, awesome. Dave, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, please keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Overlords of Infamy, um, David, where can they? I mean, it was a it was a Kickstarter game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. Um, well, where can they find you? Where can they support this? Oh, well, you can find us uh, on obscurereferencegames.com mm-hmm. or overlordsofinfamy.com. Oh. And uh, we're also on Twitter with OBSREF Games, OBSREF Games. That's uh, on Instagram or obscure underscore reference underscore games. Facebook, just obscure reference games. Okay. And Ken, where can they find you? They can find me at Tyranno de Bergerac. <laughs> you evil fuck. Anyway. <laughs> that was a great voice. I, I pulled it out from time to time, you see. Not not at not as British in that one. It's just more not as British. Yeah, it's just more like That's uh, haughty. Yeah. Yes. Little foppish. Yeah. Carry oh, on. If you want to go British, you definitely got to go. <laughs> evil British voice. For Lord Aether. <laughs> I'm a 3,000 year old wizard. We're going to have you back on and we're just going to do a drama of like all the characters. Can we do a radio play? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's actually what this uh, studio is used for normally. That's really awesome. Yeah. Fuck. Shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll schedule that out. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll let Jason show up at the very end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and miss hey, out. guys, what's going on in here? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, dear boy? <laughs> uh, and Ken. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. All right. Ken, where can they find you? At Tyranno de Bergerac. Why aren't you listening? Is that handle taken? I don't know. I feel it, like I should go swoop it up. Yeah, I jump on that. It's pretty long, so I'm like, I don't think someone would take it just because it's so many characters. No, but you would. Uh, well, I mean, I, I maybe you can get okay. To your... This this doesn't go up till Tuesday, so you got time to <laughs> grab that. <laughs> um and uh, okay, so Ken, um, where else? Where can they find you on social media? At Ken Rolo or at the location I regularly abide in at Comics TNT. You're doing the next show with them entire character. Wait, so... I hope so. I have <laughs> Tyranno de Bergerac, and I also have Smooth Ken Rollo yes. coming to you live over <laughs> the airwaves. Will you play me some jazz music? Next up, we've got... No. Yeah. <laughs> Daybreak. <laughs> All right. And you can find me on Instagram at Justin Malari and on Twitter at Justin underscore Malari. And don't forget to check out the other two shows on the Geek Say What Network. We have Geek KO, hosted by Justin Madriaga and Ish, and Ready Set Geek, hosted by Alex Gullett. And uh, thank you to Wayland Productions for letting us share the space with them and letting us use their equipment. You can find them at waylandproductions.ws. And shout out to Jordan Dene, our geek apparel sponsor out of Brooklyn, New York. She is a uh, geek apparel sponsor that specializes in helping you look nerdy, and she's eco-friendly. So check her out at jordandene.com. And I think that's enough of the business. Let's get to the show. Cue my music. 
else, and I did it. What? Yeah. Wait, like, wait. Save that for the show. <laughs> All right. No, we're oh, we're good. Okay, yeah. So you did uh, it for six months? Oh, wait. Hold on. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. L'chaim. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers again. Yeah. Huh? There you go. Wait, wait. So you saw Yes Man, and you actually did that in real life for like, six months? That's a good idea. I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... Okay. You must have some good people around you because <laughs> my friends would take advantage of that. I didn't tell anyone that's what I was doing. Smart. I only told. I only knew that I was doing it. I basically said it for myself. Mm-hmm. I was. It was at one of those points in my life where I was in college and I was feeling like I was at a dead end and I was pretty depressed um, or whatever. And I was like, I need to change. Maybe you know what? Maybe I'll try this. And I did, and it was great. And I made a lot of connections. Uh, some of my best friends today are because I said yes to going to a random Frisbee game. Like a single oh. random Frisbee game yeah. uh, when I was 24. And some of my best friends today I met at that game. Oh, what? see, that's the perfect scenario. That's the best case scenario yeah. for doing that. Yeah, that's pretty great. Did it ever go poorly? Uh, I'm trying to think <laughs> No one went like, hey, give me 50 bucks? Like, they no. Just, or... Somebody told me I should put $2,000 down on a hand of blackjack. That was before I was a oh. high roller. I'm not really a high roller. I, just like, <laughs> I like gambling, so sometimes I do bigger bets. That was the right. first time I put down $2,000 on a hand of blackjack, and the dealer got a blackjack. Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. that is... Yeah. Oof, that's I was mean. doing really well up to that point, and we were drinking, so he's yeah. just like, no, dude, 2000 bucks. Put it down. You've got it sitting right there. I'm like... All right, I'm playing with the house's money anyway. Why not? Okay, and well, it's house money. Oh, okay, so you're already up. Okay, I, that I can understand. <laughs> I was I'd... up a bit, but after that, I was back to even. <laughs> I, oh did, I didn't go back up that trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, at least, okay, if that was the worst that happened to you, like, maybe, like, doing it and not telling people. That's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I... Saying yes has this ridiculous positive effect on your life. It's 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 a psychological thing. It's got to be a psychological thing. Mm-hmm. But saying no is just such obviously a negative connotation with it. But if you start saying yes, you'll feel feel more positive. Yeah, I guess that one less bit of negativity in your life. I guess that would just add up over time, right? Like you're not saying. I've no. noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So wait. It's, so so. Did making this game happen? Was that related to that? Not to that. Not to that. I not would that. say it's probably a direct byproduct, but somewhere down the line. Uh, but it like was, A and B equal to C being the game. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. oh, I made this great friend. That friend said, "Hey, let's make a board game." And that board like, game. You, yeah, you should make this. You should make that into a board game. <clears throat> and here it is. That's <laughs> pretty much exactly what happened. So I had gone through a, a breakup of sorts. Like you do. And Mm -hmm. um, I was looking for something to get my mind off her because she was kind of messing with my head, right? She lingered in your brain. She did. She did. And it's not not her fault or anything like that. It's just I couldn't get over it. So I was playing a lot of- happens in a breakup, yeah. 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 I was playing a lot of uh, board games with a friend, and we pitched the idea back and forth of making our own game. It was mostly just just a joke at that time or whatever. And then uh, I started thinking about the idea- what if you made a game from the perspective of a bad guy? And okay. I couldn't get that thought out of my head. And so, I, you know, within the next few days, I'd already made my first prototype for it. And my friends at work started giving me more ideas. And we were like, oh, yeah, what if this is one of the plots that you do? Oh, and this one, this one. Oh, what if you make everyone's socks slightly damp? 
And I'm like, <laughs> that is just terrible. Why would why would you think that? I think probably the worst thing I could think of is throttling internet speeds to 56k, and both of those cards made it in the final version. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, now at the time, where were you working? Uh, same place I still work. Oh, okay. Uh, it's Arvado Digital Services. We work as a vendor for Microsoft. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good job. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Okay, how long ago did uh, folks were talking about uh, David Zuckman's game Overlords of Infamy? Um, how long ago did you start developing this? May of twenty fourteen. May of twenty fourteen. Yeah. And then how was this your first game? This like, is our first game. Okay, and it's like a complete side venture. You weren't like working for a gaming company or anything. No. Just uh, originally the idea was okay. Let me make the game. Let me get some really terrible art and then just give it to my friends. Huh. That was the idea. But it wasn't until I had something really concrete that my buddies that I mentioned that were at work with me, mm-hmm. there were five of us at the time, they're like, you need to make this into a real thing. You need to put this on Kickstarter. You need to, this needs to be a game that people play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, okay, as I do the <laughs> shrug motion. and uh, You were out of the yes phase, so you just said okay. Right, right. <laughs> the yes phase was several years prior. Right, but, okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, I said okay, that sounds cool, let's look into it. So we actually seriously started looking into it. And within, I think, four months of that point, we established our business, Obscure Reference Games, and we started going to conventions, and like a lot of conventions, and it's never slowed down. <laughs> we just keep going to conventions now. It's great. I love it. It's uh, not something I ever saw myself doing. Yeah, that's actually the dream. Were you ever like kind of into that scene before? Did you never. ever go to Comic Con? No, so never. Prior to Strategicon of February 2015, I had never been to a convention in my life. Oh, wow. Wait, wait, I take that back. I went to E3 for one day, one year, and I found it quite boring. But aside from that, <laughs> aside from that... <laughs> Yeah. That, I mean, especially to like consider was when you first set up, was it at because like cons are kind of split up. You've got like the vendor booths. Did you have that or did you just set up in the games area to demo stuff for people? So strategic cons are really interesting uh, setup. They yeah. set up in the LAX Hilton Hotel and they have the top or they have the bottom three floors. So the lobby and two floors above that completely booked out for this convention, just for Strategicon. So some of the floors are specifically for uh, for role-playing, and then you have a couple of rooms that are for video games or collectible card games. And then you uh, also have this wide-open gaming area below the, the lobby floor. It's uh, the lower lobby, I guess you call it. And then you have a huge board game room where they run tournaments and they do demos and... Right across from that, you have the dealer room. The dealer rooms where they're selling everything. That's where you would have your traditional booth. Yeah, your vendors and whatnot. We weren't in either any of those places. We were in the foyer directly between the board game hall and the dealer room. Oh, <laughs> so you kind of <laughs> snuck in there. You kind of yeah, went there, over the right. There were other people there, too. Right. Um, oh, I guess that's the thing at these board games. It was. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We had this tiny little table right at the corner of uh, one of the walls, a small portion of wall. We had no kind of advertising whatsoever. We just had a setup with a with a really crappy poster board version of our game. And that was our first experience. And based off of the feedback that we got at that point, we're like, okay, maybe we do have something here. That's actually kind of genius. Like yeah. easy, cheap, affordable marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for folks who have never been to a gaming convention like that, it the vibe in general is far different from like comic con or oh, wonder yeah. con kamikaze um i went to the only one i've been to is a kublacon up in um 
Oh, I'm jealous. And I want to go to that one. Yeah, that, that that so that was my first one um, for gaming, and similar setup. It sounds like they booked pretty much the first three floors of a hotel, and what I love was that like it's much more welcoming. So like out of everyone in the Geeksy What Network, I'm the I'm I'm the least proficient when it comes to board games because I really didn't start playing till I joined the network, mm-hmm. and like what I really loved about these conventions and the tabletop community in general, it's like you it's much more welcoming because everyone at these conventions they're just there to play even if you've never seen the game before they're just like yeah come on try it out and they want to get more players yeah Yeah, exactly at least for like the newer games and demos and stuff like that but i mean they're at some of these conventions too they do have like cash money tournaments too like you can go to them and be like oh this this is the 40k tournament for uh, versus, or I mean, I'm dating this podcast a little bit just by saying versus, but different <laughs> things like magic and stuff like that. They Still have exists. Yeah, it just came back. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so it's like the, uh, some of those conventions get pretty crazy. I think the only gaming exclusive con I ever went to was Gen Con SoCal when it was out here for like a oh, year. Oh wow! Yeah, so that dates it right there. Like that's like nineties. Yeah, like late nineties maybe. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but like they only had it at like one maybe two years, and then like mm-hmm. no, nah, we're just gonna do indie. Never mind. And, uh, but no, it was it was a lot less flash and a lot more like. But here's the games. Here's just a ton of games. If you want to play, if you want to buy, they're all here. Like this is, it was a pretty cool experience. But it was very, it was not what I was used to because I my first convention I ever gone to was San Diego Comic Con. So oh like, man, that my, must have been a huge change. yeah <laughs> it's yeah like, we, not we, overwhelming at all. <laughs> yeah, my expectations were like, oh, this is what a convention should look like. I'm like, oh, okay. And then everything else sets that has been like, okay, so. Just, you know, adjust per size. <laughs> right. And uh, SDCC is huge. I yeah. think they got, what was it, over 120,000 people this year, somewhere along those it lines. felt like um, it. I don't yeah. Know. It was huge. We've, we've gone there for the last couple of years, and uh, I have, aside from a small thing that happened this year, it's been pretty great. We've been in the mm-hmm. board game room. Um, they invited us. We didn't even have to buy a table. They're That's just like, hey, awesome. come play. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool um, how they have that set up. But almost nobody knows about the board game room there. Like, you'll get people there. Like, they see board game in the program. And they go, oh, okay, we're going there. But most of the people are there for the vendor hall floor. They go to Hall H so they can see all the new things that are coming. Uh, I've never the, been a fan of Hall. Sitting in that line, I was like, I can't do it. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Every year that we've gone, I have I bring a few volunteers with me. I say a few. It's like four or five. And uh, two of them uh, will camp out overnight for Hall H on Saturday because that's their favorite day where things are getting announced. And they've done this every time we've gone, which I guess uh, is only two times at this point. So I could have just said twice. <laughs> <laughs> But every time, that's still 100% every of the time. time. Yeah, yeah, every time. It's it's a lot of times. Yeah, the, no. the it's weird because that mezzanine level, unless you know how to get there, is just tucked away. Like, you go to the back, you go up your escalators, or down your escalators, if, depending on where you're coming from, and it's just this, like, little pocket level that not a lot of people know about. And right. it's just like, and like you said, unless you're going to panels upstairs, and you're like, oh, on the way I bump into this, you're not going to know about it unless you're, like you said, you, you see it in the program. Uh-huh. I'm really trying to visualize where this is because, oh, Okay, not gonna lie, I wasn't sober for a lot of Comic Con this year, but like, (laughs) but like, where is it? Like, you enter. It's 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 all C. I'll see through. Yeah, it's uh, through E. I think right. It's literally like it's not the second. It's it's a middle. It's like the I think it's they call the mezzanine. The mezzanine, yeah. yeah. It's a mezzanine level, so it's like if you go to the back and get the convention, and you uh, in the back, kind of like the halfway point, there's a set of escalators that go up. 
and then you're at the mezzanine level. There's kind of a small food court area, and that's where a, a the majority of the cosplay group set up. So you'll see like the Doctor yeah. Who cosplayers and the Star Wars cosplayers. It's also the same area you'll see the uh, live action battles where oh, they yeah. have the oh okay SCA. okay now I know where it yeah. is yeah yeah so that tier but then off to the sides there's more halls mm-hmm. and back in those halls is where you have all the board games set up so you have people playing hours upon hours of D&D you have people running demos from board games you have like just all kinds of gaming happens on that tier Man, card went, games like Pokemon yeah too. Pokemon magic too, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, went th- to the wrong stuff this year anyway go <laughs> Yeah. The Society for Creative Anachronism, those are the people that are fighting out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is that what they... Yeah, the those are, I, I yeah. did see that. That was cool. Yeah. They actually will... They're a draw. Like, people will hear about them on the floor because they'll see people walking in their awesome cosplay. Yeah, like, their full oh, yeah. plate armor. Yeah. Come check us out. So when they go to see them, that'll let them know, oh, hey, there is more back here. Maybe I should look. Yeah, a lot of the the line for Ballroom 20, like, zigzags all around there. And also the exit for ballrooms uh, A, B, and C, those also uh, wrap around back there. And that's how you can, a lot of people just hear the clanging from the battling and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, what is that? Like, I mean, that's how I found it. Those guys were yeah. going at it too. Oh yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. going full out. And I'm glad they, they've gotten to the point where they rope off the area now. And, so yeah. Yeah, it's it's become a huge draw. So San Diego Comic-Con, it's great. Um for the most part, uh, I wish they would advertise for us more. I wish they put up some uh, signage, letting people know where we are and how to get to us. Because, like you mentioned, the mezzanine level, and just like you guys, you're like, "Where's that?" Yeah. No, and it would have been a nice break from all the chaos that Absolutely. was going around. Like, I, I spend ten minutes on the floor and I feel ca- claustrophobic. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like just doing that that lap, like the first day, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is right. This but, is great, but it's so much." Well, the good thing of, I mean, it's it's not that it's a sign for that, but a good thing is the mezzanine level is a great place to kind of relax for a second. Like aside from, I know some people go into a small panel just and sit in the back to relax, but these the mezzanine level is just like aside from the food court, you go into these game rooms and like the AC's cranked and people are just chilling, playing games. It's really kind of cool, mellow vibe. I mean, you still get some power gamers, but that's going to happen in any kind of like large gathering of nerds. Okay. So yeah, yeah any, no. any game like that. But no, it's a good place to just kind of like, oh, I want to take a break from the floor. It's a really chill area. Definitely recommend checking it out. Right. Yeah. But you compare that to something like Strategicon, the yeah. the one at Hilton LAX, that gets maybe two thousand people. The difference is everyone there is dedicated to games. Yeah, it's almost entirely games, and there are some video games also, which uh, I wouldn't say are out of place there, but they have one room. But other than that, it's it's a great con. They do it three times a year. Mm-hmm. They do it on a holiday weekend, so I think it's got President's Day, Labor Day, and Memorial Day. Yeah, and uh, I love it. We've been almost every time. The only times that we didn't go is when they experimented with no longer having people in the foyer. We're like, nope, we're not going to go if we're not in the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I get to stop like how, before they go in. Like, it's like yeah. they come right to me. It's like, no, yeah. they're paying for a table and a space. That's what I felt like. What, have, yeah. what was going on? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it yeah. is. And it's like, if you're going to charge us this much money, then we want the foot traffic for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just to be clear though, he still paid for the spot in the foyer. Oh, you st- oh, oh, I yeah. thought you didn't pay for it. Okay. Oh, no, no. Okay. The, we didn't pay for San Diego Comic Con. Di- oh, okay, gotcha. We yeah, also yeah. didn't pay for Kamikaze and WonderCon. We got mm-hmm. invited to all those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kamikaze is how I found out about this. Yeah. Um, well, have you always been like um, attracted to like board games or anything nerdy, anything like that, or? Uh, nerdy, yes. I've always loved nerdy things. I didn't really mm-hmm. get into board games. Uh, until a good friend of mine 
hi Juan. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he and his girlfriend Chelsea really got me into board games, and that was probably in 2013. I mm-hmm. want to say, um, and uh, it was him that initially had the conversation with me about making a board game, and then I ran with it. Well, thanks to Juan, then yeah. What uh, yeah. what games kind of with them did kind of cut your teeth on like the the more in depth board games because we all played like you know Monopoly and Sorry and all those ones. As I'm kids. sorry. Yeah, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, what started what started you on this the the more I don't know what to, how to refer to it, but just like the hobby more, gaming, hobby gaming, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Lords of Waterdeep, uh, oh, no. Takenoko, Ticket to Ride, they really got me into the entry level games, mm-hmm. and I had never played any of these before, and it really opened my eyes. It's like, oh, I thought that's all there was was Sorry and Monopoly and things like that, and and. That's all that people think about when I say, oh, yeah, I make board games. They go, oh, like Monopoly? No, not like Monopoly. Let me tell (laughs) you what it's like. And um, it gives you a a whole new outlook. You see everything a little bit differently when you start thinking about game theory. Like, oh, that doesn't work. That election, I can totally see how that could have gone differently. Or if this, this, and this had happened, if somebody just hit their points. Mm-hmm. See, that's what one thing I'm curious about because, like I said before, I joined Geek Say What. Like, I was the same way. I'm like, what shoots and ladders, candy yeah. like that. That's all I thought. Casual gaming, kids. Yeah, gaming. exactly. So when you're approaching something like this, which was, by the way, it was both. I thought it was complex, but not overwhelming to the point where I couldn't play it. Like I remember, like at Kam- Kamikaze, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember at Kamikaze. Yeah, I I was nervous at first, but like once you got that rhythm going, I thought this was like super accessible. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing it, and even and a lot of that was coming back in our little refresher last night when yeah. we were playing the game. Yeah, although uh, I will say they didn't uh, um, adapt the voices as much as they could have. They were just a little more. They're just more like casual evil. Like they weren't like overlords evil. So what I know that I wanted to take points away, but it wasn't my house, so I couldn't house rule it. That's so. fair. That's yeah. fair. I would have taken points away, yeah. <laughs> even if it's not my house. I'm, I'm always the dungeon master of Overlords of Infamy. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I wanted to ask this: like, what's when you're designing something like this? Because again, all of this is like so uh, fairly new to me. Um, when you're des- when you start to design something like this, what's the first step? Are you just starting with like verbs? Like, what am I doing in this game? Or is it starting with a story? Is it starting with? Uh, I'm like, I'm a big theme guy. Okay, I like theme, theme uh, theme a lot. Okay. So um, the whole theme that I came up with for this game is, hey, what if you're a bad guy who thinks that you're doing these absolutely nefarious things, but what you're doing is, oh, stealing candy from babies or something like that. I got that card yesterday. He did. <laughs> <laughs> that one. That one's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Blanket the region with glitter is is another one as well. See, that's <laughs> fucked up, dude. Yeah, that's really <laughs> messed up. Um, but uh, I started with those ideas, and like the first cards I came up with are the making everyone's socks slightly damp, the throttling internet speeds to 56K, dividing, <laughs> by, dividing by zero, that kind of thing. Uh, so I really started... With just, oh, let's make this really silly. But then as it evolved, I'm like, okay, well, maybe you need to start with the silly things and then transition into meaner things and then transition into global thermonuclear war or something along those lines, mm-hmm. um, which is a card that immediately ends the game if you play it. Oh, so okay. we got Yeah, we got to get that far again. <laughs> it's a domination level <laughs> plot, so you got to be a level five infamy to get to it. Right. 
Um, See, like I, I expect a War Games reference in there. Like the only way to win is not to play. Uh, <laughs> actually, the reference on the card is perhaps you like a nice game <laughs> oh of chess. My, God. <laughs> <laughs> my nerd game is strong. Oh, well done. <laughs> well, I applaud you. Yeah. No. Uh, that's how I start started with okay. this. And as I mentioned, I played a lot of Lords of Waterdeep, and I played Settlers of Catan, and things along those lines. I, I think. The hardest game that I tried a foyer or uh, a foyer that I tried to uh, feel out when I was at that point was Game of Thrones, the board game, not the card game. Which I, I do you remember which? Because there's there's it's the one that makes you lose friendships. Well, <laughs> that's Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. There's like there's I know there's a couple different card games, board games. Do you remember like the, was it like it's specifically Game of Thrones, the board game? Like that's the title. Okay. Um. If I could help you remember, it's got a tracker for the White Walkers on oh, top, okay. and every so often something that you do will tr- uh, will trigger that to move. And when it hits a certain point, then something happens. Gotcha. I'm thinking, the one I'm thinking of is like the Battle for Westeros. Uh, I'm pro- I, I, there's, since there's so many, I'm probably not going to remember it, but I'm sorry, go on. No, uh, no, now you're having me second guess. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I played that, and that's actually where I got the mechanic for world events. The world events trigger okay. after a certain amount of world tension has built up from harvesting resources, recruiting lackeys, completing your plots. When it gets to 10, you flip over a world event. And I got that idea from seeing the White Walker tracker in the Game of Thrones board game. I got the idea for collecting resources to complete your nefarious plots from Lords of Waterdeep, which you're collecting um, four different types of, uh, I think there's a warrior, there's a wizard, there's a a cleric, and assassin. So they're, they're these different colored cubes. And you'd use those, you need to collect a certain amount of those to complete whatever quest you're working on or or whatever it might be. So I got that idea for the cards. And then uh, from Settlers of Catan, I just liked the hexagon shape. I thought it worked really well. Yeah. So uh, I used the hexagons for this game. And I also, uh, with a fantastic suggestion from one of those friends, Chelsea, that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, she's told me this game needs a hero that torments the overlords. Because prior to that, we didn't have one. And that idea was based off of the robber from Catan. Yeah, Ken definitely used the hero to his advantage to make Jason, JPG and I <laughs> fight it out. <laughs> I was very clear about the the hero. I didn't put the hero directly in either one of your paths. I moved him away from me. You guys moved him into each other, okay? You guys uh-huh. you guys forced him on each other. I. It's like, uh, I'm just going to leave this knife in the middle of the room. You two figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I just want the knife on the other side of the room away from me is all I wanted to do. <laughs> so you're Jerry Springer, but you're giving weapons to the to the crew, or yeah, the cast, rather. I was, it's like, here's a knife. Do something with the knife. It was knife. a smart move, I got to say. Was, I was Tyranno de Bergerac, sir. Oh, I like the voice. Well done. <laughs> That's Again, you got to get a... You know, take hold of it. If you're going to play the villain, you got to get that voice in there. Yeah, I usually do Lord Aether and I do something. Uh, I don't know. I can't do it on the spot, but I've got a British voice and he's like this evil overlord and he's always monologuing. I guess I can do it on the spot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> not right. bad. I like it. I was waffles. So did you bark? I was, no, I did not. Because that happens way more often than you think it does. <laughs> It's just, okay, read your plot, Waffles. All right, now really read it. See, now I, I should have done that. I would have, You guys would have been so sick of me at the end of that game. Well, no, because what would have happened was because that house is currently infested with puppies, you oh, would have just no. set them off. That's what would have <laughs> happened. 
No, but that that was actually like a fun part of the game that like we would I we I would not have like figured that out like had we just opened it up and started playing. But when we played with you at Kamikaze, like I yep. was playing with like a bunch of other strangers and like everyone just got into it. Like it was like a like a really fun part of the game. I love like, it. Like what's like what's your best evil voice? And I think everyone just seems to go like sort of British. I don't know why that is. They, because British people make the best villains. I would I would yeah. agree. I think part I mean it's just because it depends on like the age, but like if you're a Star Wars kid, like, oh, all the, the all the Empire's British. They're yeah. they're all so crisp and like evacuate in a time of victory. And like you you auto, my brain just yeah. goes that way. And like and you look at look at movies like uh Dirty Dozen where like, oh, the like the one good guy who gets away, the American, is and all the Brits get caught. Like, oh, or spoilers for Dirty Dozen. Damn it! Or no, is it Dirty Dozen or no? It's Dirty Dozen. Yeah, for yeah. a movie that's decades. Yeah, well, old. I, I'm sorry yeah. for ruining it for everybody, but it's like <laughs> it's like the good guy is the American, so you, that you don't associate that. Although I don't know, maybe some presidents you might think are just you know huge idiots and they're bad guys. It's yeah, just, is it different in the other in yeah. like England? Do they think the American vo- like when they do this, like go into villain mode? Do they go American? I don't know. I don't, I've actually heard that they still do the British voice there because even they think that they're evil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I couldn't tell you for sure though. I've only been there for a couple of weeks one time. But yeah. Also, uh, Bond would be the same way too. Yeah. I was just about oh, to say James that's Bond. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. There's yeah, lots of ones right. where it's like, and also you want a competent villain, and that voice exudes competency. Really I gotta does. say, it's like the I'm sorry, the the accent. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah. Confidence at the very least. Yeah, exactly. Because when you get the American voice, you get stuttering like I do every now and again. Well, I'm not sure, <laughs> sir, but we can probably make it out of here alive. Like, kind of just slipped into to Morty there. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Rick. Um, we should probably uh, just. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a like, goddamn it, Morty. <laughs> but look, we gotta get back to Jessica. Uh, she, I, I really want. <laughs> Um, I hate to bring it to you, Morty, but Jessica's dead. <laughs> uh, but what? What do you mean she's dead? We can you clone her? Can you bring? Okay, we're just yeah. going off on a yeah, tangent. Yeah. <laughs> I love Rick and Morty. This I mean, season is so dark. Wait, can so you're, dark. Wait, Ken, you're cut up, right? Um, I'm trying to remember the Citadel last. Citadel of Morty's is the yeah, last. Yeah, Citadel of Morty's last. No, or, or no, no, Rex, no, whatever. The no. Rick Lantis. Rick Lantis. Yes, Rick Lantis was the last up. episode. Rick, yeah. yeah, but there, it's it's all on the Citadel or the rebuilding of it or that was whatever. So yeah. dark. I was just like, they tackled a bunch of issues in this. They really did. Yeah, I was just like, that's it's such a, and It's stuff. such a smart show. Yeah. And you don't think that going into it. Like, you watch the first episode, you go, what What the fuck am I watching? Yeah, it's and then drunk Doc yeah. Brown and Marty. Yeah. yeah. I was really, I was actually really turned off during the first few episodes because just listening to Rick burping all the time <laughs> and always having that little bit of vomit on his on his uh soul patch or whatever it was. Yeah. That that would that uh, I don't know. That almost turned me off from the episodes uh from the show, but the epi- the rest of the episode was just so funny. Eventually it became background noise. Yeah. That seems to be common because I remember you and JPG had like a similar well, hang I, up. My thing was initially the the animation is more of the current generation of we can make it super simple so it's easy to animate and I don't and that's just, I don't know if it's an age thing or what, but it doesn't gel well for me. Like uh, Adventure Time and even Steven Universe, which I actually love now, because the animation style was so simple at first glance, I'm just kind of like, no, mm-hmm. I'll keep my Batman animated series. I'll keep my Young Justice. I'll keep the Cora, well, you know, Avatar yeah. Last Airbender. These shows that, you know, I can see the time and effort that's put into these designs. And they definitely have a lot of that in Rick and Morty and some in... Uh, Rebecca Sugar Show, Steven Universe, but at the at, on the offset, I was just like, no, it's not for me. 
but then also the fact that Dan Harmon did it, and I'm a huge community fan. Like, and that, that I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. And I got into it, and I, I was happy that I did. So you're you're a fan of large groups of people or the show community? I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the show community. My humor, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. is terrible. That's really bad. No, it's okay. hey, I got it. Like... it. It took me a second. I'm like, wait, I'm, like I'm like, what did I say? That, what what threw me off? No, yeah, no, I love the show community. Yeah. I, I love Troy and Abed. Like the entire in the morning or yeah, all the time. Tro- uh, Troy, Troy and Abed nights. Oh, <laughs> you know, Dan Harmon's fantastic, and I actually watched a documentary about him when he was uh, the Harmontown Harmon yeah. uh, I can't remember I guess that was the name of the documentary wasn't it or something along he, those lines I know there's one there's like I think that's the name of the documentary and it also happens to be the name, the name of, of his show. podcast too yeah. right uh, his podcast and animated show now except which except that's Harmon Quest yeah it's Harmon Quest on uh, CISO, CISO. CISO yeah. Yeah. right um, and yeah I like I like a lot of the things not everything but I like a lot of the things that Dan Harmon does community was definitely one of them uh, that documentary was really interesting to me. We actually, I mean, since we're, we kind of touched on gaming, one thing too that I brought up during the Dark Dungeons episode is Dan Harmon and his friends were part of the Dead Alewives that first okay. did that D&D sketch of like, that one I'm not. Where are the Cheetos? Oh, that's what, more okay. Mountain Dew? Yes, like, you could have some Mountain Dew. Just go get it. <laughs> yeah. That's it, actually me. I DM for five <laughs> groups of people. I'm not even kidding. I'm running five concurrent campaigns right now. I have one that's sounds weekly. It exa- that sounds exhausting. No, it's fantastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, I love it. I love being a DM. Oh, okay. But, Which systems? Uh, Pathfinder for four of them. Okay. Uh, fifth edition for one of them. And, oh, God. Okay, so <laughs> I say I'm running for five groups. My weekly group that does Pathfinder, they're getting kind of up there in levels. I've killed off a few of them already. Oops. And um, <laughs> they're they're nearing level 20, which doesn't have to be the end of the game, but they're nearing the end of the story that I've written for them. And then a lot of the, the seeds that they sowed at the very beginning of their adventure are starting to... You know, come, you to know come to fruition. Thank you. Um, sometimes I start sentences and can't remember where they're going. Yeah, you gotta find that the happens path. a lot on the show, so don't yeah. worry. Yeah. All right, maybe it's the beer. Um, <laughs> so they're okay. I went to Gen Con, which was fantastic, by the mm-hmm. way. Huge, exhausting, fantastic. That's the one in Indiana. Indiana, yeah, right? yeah. Indiana. Right. yeah. Um, not my favorite board game convention, believe it or not. Oh. But, uh, my favorite is Origins, but we'll get back to that. Okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Have you been to Gamma? I have not been to Gamma yet, but I want to. Gamma, I only went one time, and as a retailer, so just like the swag that we went home with was just ridiculous. Huge. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That's it's, fantastic. And but it was well, so it's much, all about the retailers at yeah. that point. And but it, but it was also so amazing to be like people are just like, oh, have you have you seen these terrain walls? You know, that we've made like here, just take take a handful, just oh. take them all, and then like Dwarven Forge. Uh, I don't even remember. Like, I just have. I can't all kinds speak of stuff. highly enough about Dwarven Forge. Yeah, it's incredible. the The terrain, the the detail. Stephen Picorni, uh, or Stefan Picorni, excuse me, uh, is is brilliant. Like, he's got a master uh, in in various types of art, and he's the one that's at the helm of this. He designs these pieces before they mass produce them, and then he has these videos online where he shows you how to paint them. It's incredible. Yeah, and like just learning to dry brush, just alters the piece for me what you think in your head of just this like oh no now it looks like an actual wall yeah like and and, and it, it doesn't take that much time but like it seems like it's such a monumental thing to like oh i'm gonna paint all these miniatures and like oh god but if you can get into it like it can go pretty quick like yeah. you do it while you're watching a tv show yep. and you're just like oh yeah rick and morty's awesome and painting and these pieces come out and you're like 
Well, again, this is we're going to reference Dark Dungeon a, a sure, couple times sure. here. But so when they set up their D and D, like it's this amazing montage of like a dungeon layout, and like they put all the stuff down, and like for all the campaigns like I've run, like we have like here's a map and here's some minis, but this was like. They had the full dungeon laid out, sprawling across, like, like you know. I wish our game nights were that coordinated. Oh, like, yeah. That was me, incredible. Do you yeah. want me to DM for you sometime? Because <laughs> well, we, we could do that. I, I play music, I bring terrain, I have sound effects, I do voices for everyone. I'm happy to DM for you guys sometime. I love doing it. Good God. Okay, well, you we'll, have, we'll drive out to you, though. Okay, that's like, fair. Yeah, we'll yeah no, no two hour drives. Yeah. <laughs> do you have, like, there's this new, uh, new app I found, my fiance found it, uh, the Atmosphere app. And so you can bring in sounds and then you can just bring in like oh now i want footsteps and now oh, I want... i'm not familiar with that it's, one i'll show it to you after the please after do the, it's I'm ridiculous. familiar with sirenscape or sirenscape i'm not sure how they pronounce it s-y-r-i-n scape i'd go with siren considering you yeah, think of the mystical creature but what i thought is but i've also heard other people pronounce it differently so whatever yeah anyway uh it's fantastic and it does a lot of that the only thing i dislike about that app sirenscape sirenscape i'm gonna whatever um uh, <laughs> We'll forgive you. One, it's got a monthly fee, which I could completely understand. If it was yeah. a one-time fee, I think I would be more into it. Mm-hmm. Um, if they even had the option of, okay, you could pay one time and have it forever, or you can pay monthly and only use it when you want to. I would like that. Yeah. The only other thing I dislike is I run I run it off of one of my tablets. Mm-hmm. I like using music that the app doesn't have. So yeah. I want that music playing in the background while I use... Uh, the footstep sound or a lightning crash or something along those lines from Sirenscape because they did a fantastic job with those, but it doesn't always provide the music that I want. Gotcha. So if I could play both at once, that would be fantastic. Essentially, you need to have a splitter at that point running two soundboards. Sorry, folks. Uh, two soundboards into one um, input. That way you could just overlay one on top of the other. You have your music from a separate laptop or... Uh, that's too much work. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's way too much work. I'm sitting in a sound booth, so that's why yep. my brain's like, oh, yeah, you could just do this. I mean, we've messed around <laughs> with like sound effects and like video clips before on this show, but never yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Well, well yeah, and we, we, we could. It's just a matter of time and of time, really. That's Yeah. And it's it, this is a weekly thing on, on top of our full-time yeah. jobs and mm-hmm. a second half uh, part-time job, and so, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all for you, folks. <laughs> it's well, free. No tra- complaints. No. <laughs> Traditionally, rather than use the soundboard, I've got a tablet and I have a Bluetooth speaker, which more often than not is my Amazon Echo. And I'll just have oh. that hooked up. That works. Sitting there and it's like, all right, this is right in the middle of the room. Here's your music. As and, long as no one in the party's named Alexa, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I made a rule that that can't happen. <laughs> so. No friends named Alexa. <laughs> no, we had somebody named Alex, and that would set it off. So, um, sorry, I pulled away from the mic. We had a friend named Alex that would set that off, and uh, I started. Well, this is something that I wanted to do anyway, and I started doing was calling everybody by their character names rather than their real names. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we start, it's no, it's no longer. Oh, hey. What's up? What's up, Eric? What's up, James? No, it's what's up, Rogar? What's up, Pentha? Things like that. So, no, but that kind of enthusiasm just adds to the game. Like, I, oh yeah, I, I think Ken and I struggle to like find time to like um, set up something like that. I oh no, we, we've been have we've had yeah. a a Edge of Empire Star Wars RPG one on hold for a year at, and a half at least. Well, yeah, a year and a half for you. I've only <laughs> been brought into about si- like maybe a year ago, six months. And just like, oh no, here's all the stuff. We've studied it. We just have to find a way to organize 
seven people at one time, and that's. That, oh, I'm saying yeah. we kill them off. I'm just saying kill them off. Yeah, that's my it's... my weekly group was up to eleven people. Oh God, no! For a while. Oh God, Good God. Balancing but, encounters was a lot of fun. But they show. But they actually showed up. They though. showed up, and yeah. it, that's Damn, been going right. on since April of 2016. Almost every week. Oh, There's only well, been a few a... weeks that we've missed that. That's been fantastic, and all of those people, every single one of them, except for one had never played RPGs before, or if they'd played, it's been one session. And it all came up when I was on, um, a bunch of us went uh, on a trip to uh, San Francisco for a bachelor party for our buddy, and we're like, you know what, we should get John to play D&D with us. This was the guy who was getting married. It's like, I wonder if he'd be into that. And (laughs) um, the guy I was saying it to was somebody who'd played one session with me before. That's it. And uh, he's like, oh, well, we can ask him, see if he'd be down for it. I don't think he will be. I'm like, yeah, I don't think he will be either. He seems a little bit too cool for that kind of thing. Lots, likes a lot of sports and all that. I like sports, but whatever. Um, and uh, so we floated the idea to him. He's like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Oh, that was easy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he is one of the deepest role players in that group at this point. It's fantastic. He loves it. It got to the point where they started asking me. We were, we were like, okay, we'll do this once a month. And they're like, can we start doing this like, twice a month or every <laughs> week. I'm like, I'll see if I could write that fast because I traditionally, I don't use modules. I write my own stuff. Yeah. No, no, I definitely, I think we, like Jason and I are working on a few different things. We're doing a module just to get everyone kind of, okay, everyone get here on the same page and from there we're going to step forward into other stuff because we have, you know, seeds planted in the existing module but just so we can have, okay, let's, how do we get work all these people together? Let's just start with a pre- preset thing, easy way in and then we go from there. Yeah, I, I feel like um, nowadays, um, especially within our group, it's a lot easier to get people into that type of gaming. It's just the consistency. Well, I feel like a lot of people are very open to it if you just ask them. Well, we're getting away from the age of dark dungeons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also, well, that, that's the other thing too. Is like the age of stuff. Like, I mean, it, it started with Nerdist, but then Geek and Sundry has done a great job of like, mm-hmm. oh, do you like board games? Well, th- we're going to make a deal with Target so that all these board games we're going to focus on each month are going to be available for you in Target. So you yep. can go to Target and pick up Settlers of Catan and then Catan Star Trek if you want. Uh, I can't think of why is that name. One of them just left my brain completely. <laughs> well, Star Trek Catan would never have been made if it wasn't for the deal with Star Trek uh, with Target. Target specifically asked for that. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, and so like, but games like that, and it's white. Oh, uh, Cards Against Humanity, yeah, which is not a great game, people. You wouldn't think. Oh, yeah, that's going to be in a Target, but it's it's in Target all thanks to that same deal. And it's got a whole end cap. Last time I saw yeah. Ticket yeah. to Ride, I think uh, fantastic is mm. is in there as well. And it's still these, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's all these, but introductory games. Are, oh, um, Pandemic, Pandemic. Sushi Go, Pandemic, uh, uh, Roll for It. That's a, a good game, too, for mm-hmm. entry level. Uh, one of my favorite entry level games that I have seen at Target, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Love Letter. Yes. They, they they have Batman Love Letter as well. Yeah. yeah. They have, yeah, they've and they've done different variants of that. So what? Well, Okay, well, that's something I'm curious about. Um, you jumped into this business not too long ago. Like, um, I come from a different business where it's the, I'm in sales and it's, very cutthroat. I don't know what the community is like when it comes to board games. Is it? Are you talking about the developer community? Uh, sure. Probably the most welcoming community I've ever been a part of. See, every would... single indie developer wants you to su- succeed because that only prolongs the life of this current renaissance of board games, which means they can keep to be, making games. I would kill to be in that kind of environment. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I, I would not have ever made this game if it wasn't for the advice and the help of all of these amazing designers. 
and the the creation of Kickstarter. And uh, Kickstarter's yeah. huge. Crowds crowdsourcing game or sorry, not crowdsourcing, but crowdfunding games through like, oh, you know, I I, I can, you can't. Like the idea of like, oh, I have to make a game, package it, fully, almost fully design it, and then sell that to a game. Like I have to sell this to Parker Brothers. Like that, we're not there. We're, that's not how the things are done right now. Like it's, you, can, yeah, you the can gatekeepers just, are gone. Yeah, and so it's like you can just. It, but it's also interesting to see too, like games or game houses like IDW Games and Cryptozoic. They're also going through there. We were discussing this last night. Like Kickstarter, because you can get a a guaranteed audience for a game before it's even out it's allowing more and more games to be made like just stuff that like oh you know i we we're pretty sure there's a following for ninja turtles they may be popular but idw games is like no this is based on this is based on the comics let's push it forward and let's see what the crowd thinks and if they can't get it then if that then that doesn't mm-hmm. get made yeah and, did you have to go through like several different versions of this game before it went to kickstarter yeah this is like, version 12 this is 12 yeah oh, and now uh, we had we were up to 10 before we went to kickstarter and uh, um, I think of it like in terms of software version numbers, like every oh, time okay. that you make a huge change to it or add a big element to it, you increase the version number. Oh. Uh, so I, when I say version 12, it's like we went through uh, the original design phase where I made the pieces from hand and I and I p- very poorly drew and colored in on poster board <laughs> and things like that. And um like, like if you guys ever see the art book, which I fortunately I forgot to bring, it's there on the table actually. The art book. Oh, this is the rule. This book. is the rule. Oh, book. in the box, there's the art book too. No, is there? Well, oh, not that it helps for an audio. Your audience yeah. can't hear it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but wow, um, this looks great. Wish you could all see it. <laughs> I'm surprised it's it's hardcover and like it's. No, I'm sorry, folks. It's not. It's, anyway, it's what, good, what's with this pornographic material in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the expansion. Oh, okay. oh yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the the back page actually shows the original prototype. Yeah, like oh, okay. it looks nothing like it does now. Is it just like a piece of like cardboard and sitting inside hand-drawn? of uh, uh, they call it top loaders? I think it's uh, basically like a hardcover poster uh, frame that's just clear plastic. Oh, okay. Um, and it think think a hard a hard sleeve for like a magic card or something like that that you really want to protect on a much larger scale. Oh, and so I just slid it into that because I used to be big into hero clicks. Uh, oh my! It's hilarious that you say that because oh my god, Ken! <laughs> I have a lot I have of hero clicks. Way too many hero clicks. I can't do it anymore. It's too expensive. It's expensive, but like I, I kind of just pick and choose my characters. But uh, I, at my shop, we run tournaments, and so we just had a bunch of top loaders loaded up with maps. Just uh-huh. that way, it's like, hey, it holds it down, and we're just like, hey, just trade it out that way. It's a lot easier than trying to roll it out and, oh, put your phone on that side and put this on that side. Yeah. And like, no, just... Protects it from spills. And Yep. Yeah, a shout out to Brave New World in Newhall, California. That's where I learned how to play um, uh, publicly. Like, I got into the game again because of my buddy Juan, the one mm-hmm. who set me on the path of making this. He got me into Clicks. And then we started playing at our FLGS, and um, yeah, they they did that there, and I made it a huge community of friends just from playing there. Was that before the crash or after? Like after? So the crash. So WizKids. Uh, oh, WizKids was originally a division of Tops. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And so they were going for a good long while, and then Tops essentially closed down that division, so to speak. And I believe Tops still went on for a little while longer, but they sold WizKids off to um, NECA. And then it was probably at least a year or so gap. And I then think it's NECA, longer than that. Yeah, it, it, it's probably a lot longer, but I, I'm try, I just want to 
be on the vague side because I can't remember. Sure. And then they they came back strong with like a NECA put a lot of money into it. We got a new Avengers set. Is a big return of re- return to force. A lot of things changed. There's a lot of good updates. Production value. Production values, and those those have gone up and down. But yeah, they they definitely been more on the upside, and the, it's been a really good renaissance of of hero clicks. But they've gotten a bit quick like they're just like here's another set here's another set here's another yeah. set it's like dude it becomes hard to sell i feel like that yeah. tends to happen with any well even just action figure lines like anything like that it just comes out they, they need that sure that yeah quick that, that's yeah. their business model because they're yeah. not they're not cheap to make like no. these oh, no. are nice figures and they come pre-painted that's that, not cheap that's the biggest selling point for me when i started was pre-painted miniatures mm-hmm. so even if i don't care about the game i still have a miniature spider-man so if if the time comes where i want to play a, a hero uh hero based rpg oh i've got a spider-man like yeah. oh, and if i want to i've got this other you know rookie uh, like no-name character that i can repaint into my own character and so having pre-painted miniatures just open the box and you're ready to go they had me sold from the word go there. Yeah, yeah. and then I'm, I don't even play the game. I just like the figurines. I have a few of them. Thank yeah. God I never like got like really deep into collecting them. Yeah, like, I got some of my friends really deep into collecting them, oh, and they no. kind of are, they hang that over my head still. They're like, you know how much money <laughs> yeah. I invested in this? And then you stopped and you sold all of your hero clicks like in one fell swoop. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> see, wow. that's where I've been good. I've stopped collecting stuff. It's like if I buy something now, it's something like I really, really like. I don't know if you have anything like that you've been oh, collecting. Oh, I, I collect. Oh, yeah? What do you collect? Collections. <laughs> no, I, I, I obsessively collect things. If I get started with something, I just have to have yeah, more. Da- David lives in a warehouse. It's just <laughs> collections. I have yeah. something like 350 board games. Jesus. Yeah. I think that puts our friend Andrew to shame. That to be honest. It, it, it might. Um, so uh, what, what are they predominantly? Are they predominantly indie games? Are they pr- more? I definitely like, like promoting indie games. Okay. I like playing indie games because I think uh, the things that you find in an indie game mm-hmm. traditionally are things that you won't find in a mainstream game. And I they like have to cater being, to the masses, basically. Right. So you go through Hasbro, or well, no, you go I, through Mattel, or or uh, Milton Bradley. I don't know if they're still around. Parker, whatever. Parker Brothers. <laughs> Parker Brothers. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it was originally Milton Bradley. Yeah. Um, that made Monopoly. Yeah. They need to appeal to a large mm-hmm. audience. When these indie games, they make the games that they want to play, and mm-hmm. they find a niche crowd that wants to play it with them, which is one of the fantastic things about Kickstarter. Um, and. I think that the best use of Kickstarter is for board games. Mm -hmm. And I think something like a... My numbers are probably totally off here because I heard it in passing, but I think (laughs) 11% of the projects that are on Kickstarter are board games. I believe it. Oh, wow. That's a pretty pretty big chunk. I've seen... It's interesting, too, to see... Like, I have friends who have attempted Kickstarters and, like, where where their ideas come from as far as, like, oh, this is my $1 tier. It's like... No, like the cost on stuff like, oh, the, you know, the $1 tier, you're going to get a sticker and a letter in the mail. I'm like, okay. no, it's like, no, you've already like, <laughs> you've lost no, money. You've lost money. Yeah. Like it's you, cause you've already like the postage alone for all those is how much. And then you're mm-hmm. making a sticker and they don't think about all the stuff that adds up. And it's like, it's one thing it's really kind of having, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. I play test for Cryptozoic sometimes. Okay. And so like listening, watching people on the boards being like, oh, they should have just done this. They should have made this. I'm like. Trust me, those versions were there. Like a lot of ideas go through all this stuff, but the actual cost for these things is you have no idea. Like the amount of time it would take to make, you know, these new figures with these sculpts and these things. A lot of people just see just the surface, like, well, I want it in my box and I want that, like, that's all I want. Like, no, like 
So in, ca- in case of your game, like you've got all these individual cut little uh, resources, yep. and those are all individual shapes. Yep. Like it's not like a like I mean the Mare Trash game is a term of like you know just cardboard pop-outs of like oh they're all round circles like no these are individually cut wooden pieces like that's not inexpensive that's going to add up super quick and they're painted. it does yeah but yeah. I, honestly we're not making a lot of money on this game we're charging just what we need to charge for it. Yeah. Which, yeah, you could point out why that's mm-hmm. a mistake to me at some point other time when I'm crying. But um, <laughs> I wanted to make a game that I would want to buy. If yeah. I saw this game, if I saw someone playing this game, this is what I want to have in my collection. That's what I wanted to make mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. This is something that I love, and I want other people to be able to see that. And that's something you actually can tell when you're playing this game, like the designs and like I actually really appreciate that you have you have those like cut pieces that are painted like um like Ken was saying like those little other games where it's just like a circle cut out with some cheap little drawing on it. Theater like, of the mind definitely works though. Yeah, that it adds so much value to the game. Like you yeah. feel like you're playing something with a little bit more like presti- I don't know if prestige is the right word, but like it's a it's a bit it seems like a quality. bigger deal. Yeah. Quality. quality. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But and it all adds up, just like you said. It it, it definitely gets more expensive, mm-hmm. um, but it's worth it to us. Yeah. One of the things that we added to the game that uh, was a little bit more expensive, but was important, was each of the different colored sets of meeples. So uh, for those who don't know, as an evil overlord, you have lackeys. You mm-hmm. have six lackeys in whichever color you chose uh, at the beginning of the game. Well, uh, each color of lackeys is a different shape. So if you're colorblind, you can tell them apart. One of our founders is colorblind, and we're like, you know what, this is this is important. There's quite a lot more colorblind people out there mm-hmm. than you'd think. Something just, like seven yeah. percent of the population. Even if they're just color deficient, like they're not yeah. completely like oh, I see whites and, and black and gray. Like, no. They're just like, Oh, I don't see reds that easily, so I right. can't tell that. Yeah. And right. that, that just goes back to what you were saying about this gaming community. Like so welcoming. They you want people to play. You want people to feel included. Like so little touches like that, I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, Marcus, uh, uh, what you were saying, Marcus is one of the founders uh, of Obscure Reference with us, and uh, he's red-green colorblind. So he could see blues and yellows fine, Yeah. Um, which is the other major one. But red-green is the most prevalent type of colorblindness. Mm-hmm. So uh, when he was playing the game with us, he was having trouble finding his pieces on the green board. And uh, we're like, oh, Maybe you should play with the blue ones for now, but let's see what we can do for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What version of the game was that? Oh, that was way back in the beginning. Marcus actually lives in Washington now. He works for Bungie. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, we need to talk to him. We need some uh, Destiny 2 codes. So we'll uh, get on the phone with him. It's really fun. <laughs> I, I. Okay, so I played Destiny 1 for a couple of years. I played since launch. I loved it. My only problem was I ran out of content so quick, Like, which was okay because it meant I could go play other games. Mm-hmm. But I, I always felt a little bit wanting. Was it like a forty-hour type of game? Way less. Way less. Oh, for Destiny. Yeah. Wow, I wouldn't. Have yeah, yeah. Destiny. Even, they they even like that's one of the things like they had a really large DLC campaign after the fact. Right. But Which th- were good, but yeah. still short. Yeah, but a- after the first launch, people were like, "Uh, wait, that's it." It's like, oh, now it's just grinding. Can can continuously with my friends maybe? Oh, and, and they yeah. they kind of like try to extend it that way as opposed to that's all you had to extend more. it with was just yeah. repeated grinding and then story like, oh. wasn't there, which yeah. was sad. Well, there was story. I take that back, but the story was in the form of grimoire cards, what they called. So as you completed certain uh, accomplishments in game, or if you found something that was hidden, you'd get something on your screen that says, "Oh, grimoire card attained, attained," and you have to go to Bungie's website 
log in with your PSN name or your Xbox name, and it'll show you which grimoire cards you've collected, and that's where the story was. There was almost no story in Destiny 1, which was my biggest complaint. So it was just text on these cards? That was it? That was the entire story? It was text and a small picture. And you had to go online outside of the game to be able to read it. Yeah. And it was oh, a huge mistake. That's depressing. Destiny 2 launched with more content mm-hmm. and more story than all of Destiny 1 plus all of the expansion packs. It launched with more story. <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun. I think they did a lot of good with Destiny 2. And I'm not just saying that because Marcus worked yeah. for Bungie. I'm saying I'm having a lot of fun with it this game. It was all because of Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, he keeps the servers up, actually. That's what he does. He, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so if you're having a laggy connection, um, no, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not <laughs> it. uh, it's probably check your host or something. Yeah. But well, no, I, I'm DS really... Is clear and open. You're yeah. <laughs> uh, are you behind a firewall right now? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, Destiny 2. They did a lot of things right, and the story was one of it. The story's been good, and they made a really compelling villain in mm-hmm. Destiny 2. Um, I'm really looking forward to whatever the expansions will be. I just tried the raid for the first time, which just came out a couple of days ago. Um, but uh, the villain was great, and that was another gripe I had from Destiny 1. None of the villains meant anything to me, and defeating them did not seem like an accomplishment. Oh, well. well, it looks like they listened to... Like, oh, absolutely. To, yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed with how much they listened yeah. to the, the community. Speaking of that, like, what's, I mean, I'm during your Kickstarter campaign, I'm guessing you got <laughs> a lot of feedback. Like, what was, what was some of, like, the craziest stuff you saw? Or Your art sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, no, we actually got quite a bit of, um, of feedback. We got um, constructive criticism, I would say. Um, and it's always great when people tell you, I love your game. I was laughing so much at this card. Mm-hmm. We were laughing all night, and we can't wait to play again. Um, and, uh, oh, are you going to be at the next convention so I could try it then? Sure. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That warms our heart. We love hearing that. But that doesn't do us any good. It doesn't help you improve the it game. It does not help us improve the game. And mm-hmm. I am always looking to improve the game. So please, pile us with praise. We'll take that. But please right. tell us also what we need to fix in the game. Give and, me the salty with the sweet. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wish people, like learned how to give actual constructive criticism versus saying like this, your art sucks or, right or like this was boring like well, well what made it boring like giving constructive criticism is definitely important but even more so is being able to take that oh, criticism absolutely yeah uh, and that's something i had to learn mm-hmm. like i knew going into it people are going to be heavily critical of what mm-hmm. i was doing what was your critical. was your ba- sorry to interrupt was your background before like art related where you had like a lot of no no okay so you're, you weren't used to taking any sort of like no i could take criticism uh, i've done customer service work oh, oh god oh i'm, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah yeah no retail for uh, a long time and then customer yeah. service and account management so okay taking yeah. feedback about how you're doing and then also just taking the good with the bad mm-hmm. um is kind of par for the course i worked at what three different coffee shops or something like that too as a barista <sighs> But so, <laughs> when you're creatively, <laughs> when you're creatively constructing something though, it's different than just like, hey, here's your coffee. It's like, oh, this coffee's bad. Like, okay, fine, I don't care enough. So, here's a new coffee. Mm-hmm. But when it's like you're, I'm guessing this. I'm just, I'm jumping. I'm sorry. It's like it's like it's your creation. You're like, oh, what do you think of this thing I just made? Like, oh, it sucks. Yeah, I, you're invested. It's like it's like telling someone that their baby is ugly. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it hurts, but 
Well, I guess you can't really do anything about an ugly baby. <laughs> it, it hurts, but you at least you can a, go and fix it. You dress it up. Right, right. Introduce him to makeup really he's young. He's dressed up as the and, penguin and, from and, Batman. Oh, in some bags. And, no, was, Wait, why does he look like Clayface? <laughs> 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 he's just melting? What the fuck? No. <laughs> but, I mean, dealing... Uh, okay, so jumping into criticism about this, did you kind of quickly develop a thick skin? Was it hard to deal with at first like what was going through your head i would say going into it was easier to take criticism when it was still being filled in when it was still like that empty coloring book yeah at that point uh so to speak so yeah i would say that going into it i can take criticism because it was very easy to pivot Mm -hmm. and change something at that point here, you need to add this, or your game needs this, or I don't really like this. Can you speed this up? Mm-hmm. It was easy to do that at the beginning. After we had an established game, when I had something that I thought was really good, and then somebody would come to me and said, I really hated this aspect. Why would you do this? <laughs> and it's like, okay, so one person didn't like it. Maybe it's not the game for them. Mm-hmm. And then more people come to you, and they start saying it. Um and and we made changes. So okay. the yes, it hurts. Yes. <laughs> it hurts. And it's not easy to take that criticism, but you have to. Cuz yes, you're making the game that you want to play, but you also need to compromise and make sure that other people are going to want to play it too. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, how many ver- was this before like um there was like set art like this or yes. Uh okay. so we went through nine different artists on this game. We settled oh, with, wow. yeah, we, how, we used three of them for the final. How many okay. were like, at, at what stage did you bring them in? Like what version and, or um, like at what point were they paid? Did you pay, were they fr- Like, did it start with like just oh, friends gosh. who just kind of threw uh, something together for you? Or was uh, it like pizza and good wishes? <laughs> yeah, no, no, like, no. <laughs> um, okay. So the original artwork was uh, a friend wanted to get into making comics and okay. I met him oh, through a friend, okay. yeah. through another friend. And I'm like, Hey, this is what we're looking for. I'll pay you $25 per character. This was, this was before I had a lot of the game done. This is when I had just the, the prototype shell. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to have characters for this. Mm-hmm. And these are the kind of characters I'm thinking of. I'm like, I want like eight of them. Give you $25 each. He says, okay. Yeah. And he made mm-hmm. me those characters. And most of those characters, actually, yeah, most of those characters, there's one or two that aren't, made it into the game, the final game, but it's not his original artwork. Right. So uh, okay. it's the artwork that he originally gave me, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth, and he never, never came back. I kept asking him, I'm like, hey, man, I want to give you more money. Yeah. Where are you? This sounds like indie comics. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, People like your concept. Where are you? Yeah. And he never came back. But I was able to find people that were able to replicate his work or improve upon his work. Right. And uh, like if you look through the artwork, you can, uh, the art book, I should say, um, which is available on our website, (laughs) um, you uh, can actually see the original artwork that he made and the changes that it went through along the way to get to where it is now. Oh, wow. So, yes, we went through a lot of art that way. We went through nine artists total. You mentioned when did they get paid. Most of them were paid up front. Okay. That became a point of contention for one person who suggested that they only be paid if we we give them a deposit up front and only pay if we fund on Kickstarter. Ooh. So, So I mean... Artists got to eat, too. And that's that's, right. It's their labor is is the the main thing. It's still time that they have to invest. That was absolutely what I said to him. And I'm like, what about this? He's like, no, 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 it's okay. 
give me $500 now, $4,500 when it funds, and then maybe maybe 0.05% of the game after that, wow. like sales of that. And at the time, that sounded like a good idea to us. Mm-hmm. It turned out it was not a good idea. Um, he promised us that he'd work a whole lot more than he did, and he ended up only giving us something like 6% of the artwork Oof. that we asked for and still demanded the full price even before the Kickstarter. So we fired him, and then he's like, nope, you still owe me all this money. I'm taking to court, and it got thrown out. So good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't finish the job you were commissioned to do, like that's, yeah. you'd be, you can't get around that. every single deadline. We gave him every chance that, uh. that we could, and then we fired him. I, some people suggested that that was probably his plan from the beginning, was try to pressure me into paying him instead of going to court. God damn. Because yeah. he had no legal ground to stand on whatsoever. The, the judge threw it out pretty quick. Yeah. Snakes. No, it's just industry. Be, God it, damn. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the same thing can happen in comics. Yeah. For, and that uh, people would just be like, oh, no, I'll work on this project. This was my page rate. This is what I agreed to. And you're like, all right, cool. This is good. And you're like, you're like okay, well, I've paid you this much. Like, where are my pages? Oh, well, you know, I've got this project for this one over here. I'll be right. To, you know, you'll be within the next month. And you're like, dude, like, I've already paid you. Why yeah. am I like, I understand like, you know, we're waiting on this little indie comic and you just got a job for Marvel. I understand that, but like- We still paid you. you. Yeah, we so still paid you. So give me my money back. <laughs> yeah. Or give me what I paid for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, th- and that's the thing is we did give him money. We gave him $500 and the amount of work that he did translated to maybe $200. Yeah. So he still ended up 300 bucks up on us. Yeah. But whatever, that's in the past. It was a very expensive lesson to learn and mm-hmm. we learned it. Um. Actually, in the grand scheme of things, it was a rather cheap lesson to learn. But, right. Um, that said, we ended up with three artists that we really liked, and uh, they ended up doing... One did the artwork for the characters, one did the board itself, and one did all the graphic design. And we had an excellent experience with, with almost all of them. Uh, it was pretty much perfect all the way up uh, through the end. Uh, the two that did the character design and the board design, uh, Doug Scott for the board design and Jackie and Oye for the character design, um, they had everything, almost everything to us prior mm-hmm. to the Kickstarter. Oh. When during the Kickstarter we realized all of the graphic design needed to be redone because it didn't look the way I we, that we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And, a, and some of the other stuff needed to be redone. So we brought in uh, Amit Gadge of Crimson Studios, actually out of India. And... Uh, he was amazing, incredibly quick, wonderful, and the final product that you see here is because of him. Quick's a big one. You got to find those artists that are quick. What was it, Ken? Was it more of a style issue or a format issue? Both. Oh, okay. It was hard <laughs> to read the cards the way they were. Yeah. Um, there are mm-hmm. still some issues with it that I'll admit to. Some of the text is a little bit small in some areas if we try to fit a lot in there. I could agree with that. I mean, we were looking at a couple of cards. And it's like, ooh, my glasses. All right, right. right. <laughs> um, and if if I can do it again, if I found a way where I can fit everything that I wanted on the card the way that I wanted and make the text a little bit bigger, I would. That's what second editions are for, right? Uh, you know, that's and there's a lot of things that we'll do in the second edition if we get around to a second printing. I'll get to that also yeah. in a second. Um, but uh, one of the issues that we have with the cards and why they now look smaller is because we provided everything at the size that the manufacturer asked for for the templates. Oh, okay. Which was which was fine, and we had everything scaled for that. And then they're like, "Oh no, no, no! You're we we need to make this like a millimeter smaller." 
I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, on all the edges, it goes a little bit smaller. Didn't we tell you that? Yeah, there's bleed like, on this. You're like, you didn't say anything about bleed. Yeah. We had the bleed. Okay. They still wanted it smaller. Jeez. So they made it smaller, and, you know, you bring in two millimeters <laughs> off of the space, or I guess collectively it'd be four millimeters off the space, everything gets, when they shrink it down, everything gets a little bit smaller. Yeah. So it's a little bit harder to read. So if we do a reprinting, I want to figure out a way to make it a little bit bigger there. Yeah. We also... <laughs> Despite as much as we went through the rule book and all of the cards for proofreading, and we sent it to other people to proofread mm-hmm. and double check everything, we get the game back. Oh, here's a typo. Oh, uh. you forgot this. <laughs> oh, this rule is a little ambiguous. Can you help out here? And so I'm just taking notes of yeah. everything, right. and I'm trying to smile. Here's <laughs> the FAQ, guys. It's, yeah, it's, it's up on our line. I'm going to be putting an errata up it, pretty soon on Board Game Geek, just like, yeah. oh, this, 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 and this. I, I'm totally serious. I'm going to do that pretty soon. And it's like, hey, guys, I realize there's some problems, and there are some typos. <laughs> Here's what it is. If we do a second printing, it'll be fixed. That's it's frustrating. You just need that extra set of eyes to look at your stuff. And well, that's the oh, thing man. too is like uh, the way we have the, uh, as we're speaking of uh, the community that's grown up around hobby gaming, board game geek. That the, it's a site that's just like it's put together by fans for the most part, and like just constantly filled up with new information. But you get good solid feedback from there because these are people who play board games at least once a week, and they're like, oh, I played it, it's like, so I have this feedback. And a lot of it's, I mean, you still have the internet, so you're still like, oh yeah, your your art sucks. But you also have people who are like, oh no, I think this this works here, but it wasn't clear in the rules. You're like, oh, well thank you for that, and I can yeah. work with that. And shout out to Scott Alden, the creator of Board Game Geek. Uh, yeah, Aldi and his entire crew are fantastic people, and they put a lot of work into that website. A lot of it, it go, goes... Uh, uh, as a thankless job, and they still do a fantastic job with it. So, big shout out to them. Yeah. I, well, well, back to uh, this game. Like, is there? You mentioned like a, a second edition. Is is that going to be in like the not too distant future? Like, what's? Oh God. What, what are the plan? Can you go into that? All right, John. If you if you, if you can't, like, it's cool. John, but, if you're uh, listening, don't kill me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be clear, though, do you mean a, a second edition? Yeah, like a, or, like a second printing, or do you mean like an expansion? Um. Well, is there going to be another version of this game? Is there improvements that need to be made here? Short answer, yes. Short answer, yes. Uh, long answer, if we sell through our initial if print we run. Sell through. Okay. So if we sell through our initial print run, mm-hmm. we will do a Kickstarter for a reprinting of this game. Uh, part of that reprinting will probably, probably include uh, changing up some of the wooden pieces because one of the, uh, one of the, complaints that we got and I see that smile on your face and you're going to say it is that the wooden pieces don't match up with some of the symbols on the board. (laughs) (laughs) No. And it's not that they don't match up. It's just that you have to think about it for a second and it'll make sense. But people are like, oh, I don't see this symbol in these wooden pieces. And I'm like, that's a long story. I think think JPG had that exact issue with the light bulb bulb pieces. Yeah, Right, being a battery instead. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long story. We uh, initially, we ended up getting the artwork for the pieces, um, for the wooden pieces, I should say. Uh, Not necessarily last minute, but the people that we were going to have, the person that we were going to have do it, drop the ball. Mm -hmm. And so we commissioned uh, somebody else uh, to work with it. Uh, that's uh, Lena Vega. She's been great. Um, she's one of one of the people in my fifth edition group that I run. Oh, nice. um, and uh, she did all the artwork for it. And we loved it. And the, th- the thing is, it needed to be done quickly 
because mm-hmm. we were at the point where we needed to print and we didn't have all the artwork and we were already behind in getting the games out to people. The game ended up shipping about two and a half months late to the backers, Wait, which I hate doing. So, sorry, so so the board is one thing and then the cards are one thing and then like the pieces are somewhere else? Is that my understanding? Or is so it all the we didn't originally company? have wooden pieces. Originally okay. it was going to be cardboard chits, punch out pieces uh-huh. that you can use. During the Kickstarter campaign, we made a promise that if we funded within the first week, then we'd upgrade all the cardboard pieces to wooden pieces, and we funded in four and a half days. Oh, so um, that's a stretch goal, man. You gotta, you gotta put that like, <laughs> no, no. If you guys hit that down there, not the. <laughs> not but right but honestly, <laughs> honestly, it's something that I wanted anyway. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I wanted to reward the people that had faith in us that early. That's good. So um, every game now has wooden pieces because those amazing backers got us funded within the first week yeah um and and i can't say enough thank yous to everyone out there who did pledge for our kickstarter who pledged for a pre-order version of the game or even even if they didn't pledge if they play tested or they uh gave us some feedback along the way all of that has been tremendously important for us no and it's actually that's crazy like how you can just build your community it's 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 not just like a play testing but you've built a community you've built sort of a fan base with Kickstarter, like that's, like, I think it's a huge advantage for something like this. Yeah, and I gotta say, it's a little weird that people want my signature on things. <laughs> <laughs> You're board game famous, dude. I'm n- I'm not <laughs> even even the board game world. I'm not famous, but these okay, people. You're like the indie band of like the board game. Uh, world. <laughs> yeah, I, I had so a... I'm Sex Bob-omb. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I do love Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Sorry, I love Scott Pilgrim. That's good. I my brain was like thinking, I'm like, wait, what's that other band? Like, there's a band Crash and the Boys. Well, Crash and the Boys. No, I was going away from Scott Pilgrim though. Oh. I, was, I was thinking for the band from because uh, it has Donald's face something on. at Demon Hunter. That's the, the Clash of Demon Clash of Demon also Demon. from yeah, Scott also Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> love another Brie Larson. Another yeah. oh god, Brie Larson <laughs> as Envy Adams. She was brilliant for that role. <laughs> but anyway, she, I'm sorry. Go ahead. She was also in Community. She yep, was the yep. librarian who. Didn't want uh, briefcase tacos. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that was only for a couple of episodes, right? It's one, one, one episode. episode. That's one awesome. Episode, right. <laughs> but it was just Troy and Abed just like, books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love community. Um, yeah, please. Keep gushing. But no. Uh, no, my brain was going to a different band, and I, I can't remember. It was with Donald Faison, and um, she's out at uh, Can't Hardly Wait. It's like the band that oh. gets together in it, and like they, they don't want to wear their shirts. I'm going- uh, Donald Faison from Scrubs. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that band. I'm sorry. This is an obscure reference. Anyways, carry on. That's that's okay. <laughs> I love obscure references. You might even say I named my company after them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, uh, one of your, I believe is a Kickstarter exclusive characters, um, Dead Pirate. Uh, I'm s- it's Dead Pirate. Was it Rob Hearts or something? Rob Hearts. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? You could pronounce it as you wish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to use that now. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the dead pirate Roberts, um, her backstory is uh, a little bit similar to Wesley's from from Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. We might be very, very tiny, huge fans. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, I might have two or three cards in the game that are also Princess Bride references. Um, That said, uh, yeah, you killed my father, prepare to die, really powers up the hero, by the way. (laughs) but yeah, no, yeah, no. I don't know. Um, That's just part of like 
podcasting in California. Like I everyone so. says, yeah, no. Like I don't know why. So if you say no, yeah, it means no for sure. But if you say yeah, no, it means oh yeah, and then this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's how did we do this? How did we evolve? Like okay, I so <laughs> uh, yes, we have tons of obscure references. Tierno de Bergerac was also added from the Kickstarter, and I love when people get that reference. I I got the reference, but I didn't. I mispronounced it because my brain just said. I was saying Tyranno, and then uh, uh, Jason, I'm sorry, JPG was like, oh, no, it's supposed to be like, it's Tyranno, like Cyrano. like Cyrano, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know why I, I didn't just automate, but I'm like, my brain was just like, Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. Yeah, and his special ability is that he's got a charming personality, yeah, which is kind of perfect. <laughs> and and every time I think of Cyrano de Bergerac, I also think of Steve Martin and Roxanne. Yeah, you can't not. I yeah. mean, depending on your age. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's not exactly a recent thing, and I see so many people who light up when they get the reference, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've definitely found your niche. It's like, yeah. oh, my people. These are my people. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, um, both Tyranno de Bergerac and the Dead Pirate Roberts were... Um, were community suggestions during the Kickstarter. So that was another part of the funding in a week. So we said, yeah, we'll make all the cardboard pieces wooden, but we're also going to let the community send us their ideas of who should be a 10th overlord because we had nine prior to that. Oh, okay. And uh, whoever, uh, send us your ideas. We'll take our top however many from that. I think we said top five, and we'll let everybody vote on that. And whoever wins would be in the game. So we expected to get something like 20 or 30 <laughs> entries. We got 70, something like that. Dang. And so instead of having people vote on five, we had them vote on 10. So um, Tyranno de Bergerac won over Dead Pirate Roberts by three votes. So we decided, you know what? We're just going to put her in also. So now we have 11 overlords. How did Waffles come about? Um, so you were talking about ideas and constructive criticism right uh shout out to michael e chow who came over to uh play test the game and uh, his big thing he's really known for liking baristas and corgis <laughs> like if you know if, <laughs> if you know you chow specific things yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. if you know Yi chow then you know that he loves baristas and corgis it's kind of just a thing and he came over to play the game and at the end, he's like, you know what your game needs? I go, no, you chow. What does my game need? He said, you need a corgi named Waffles. <laughs> and he was—he just started laughing because he, he was, I don't think he was being serious at the time, but I was just standing there. I'm like, we need a corgi named Waffles in our game. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and now there's a corgi named Waffles in our game. And, and it's by what, far the most popular character. What if he had said barista? A barista? I don't know how I'd make a barista an evil overlord, but then again, I did work at Starbucks, so. Yeah. Ah. But also, I mean, so much the fact that with Waffles is you have a pin on your website, too, for him now. And Tyranno. Waffles and Tyranno both have enamel pins with them. Yeah. And those have been huge, huge yeah. draws at shows. Like, even if people don't buy the game, they'll buy the pins. They're like, oh, yeah, I like that pin. Yeah. Enamel pins have had a weird, like, I shouldn't say weird because they're cool, but, like, a really big upsurge lately. Like, I know, like, at different con- conventions and stuff like that, the people are like, oh, I like a good enamel pin. Because it's, it's better than a button that you can make in a heart. Everything okay? Is everything, everything okay. that I've been talking about been yeah. good so far? Yeah. Oh, you're Okay, great. good. And we're back. No, I'll edit that out. <laughs> Just a long-ass pause. Anyway. And now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> Well, actually, do you like obscure references? <laughs> do you like games? Well, then check out... No, I'm sorry. Carry on. <laughs> ah, no, please. Next time we'll script that. We'll, yeah. we'll get you in there. 
Yeah, like I was like, I'm like, I'm not going to go anywhere. You the good bribe with this. under the door. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, speaking of your business and bribes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they go hand in hand. I know you promised Jason that you'd wait till you're on his show to talk about. Oh, jeez. But <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah, I just. Well, you don't gotta go. You don't have to explain the whole game, but I mean, sure. what? Just what, enough to upset Jason. Exactly. Like, just what's coming up for your company? What What's the next game coming up? All right. How about I give you an overview of Please. what's coming out, and I'll tell you one thing that I'm working on right now that I'm really happy about. Okay. That's actually available right now. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, and and then I'll get back to the expansion for Overlords. Did I say that out loud? Damn. All right. <laughs> so, um, Dimensions of Discord Online is my next game. And Online? Yeah. It's a board game mm-hmm. about being a guild leader in an MMORPG. Oh, this actually sounds... I love the premise already. Okay. Yeah. So I, I love weird ideas. Yeah. Um, I played Final Same, Fantasy XI. Yeah. Yes! For, <laughs> for nine years, Valifor server represent. Ken's like finally another. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember which which server I was on. If you were on Valifor or Kujata, they kind of merged together, so we might have known each other. Uh, no, because I, I mean, I. Well, I don't care yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's all over gone now. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I loved Final Fantasy XI. Um, a lot of the best years of my life I wasted on that game. <laughs> no, it was the first. It was technically the first Final Fantasy I played. At like a lot, like I played a little bit of it, but I never enjoyed the old, like the original, like oh, menu battles is what I call it, like oh, attack level five with my sword, weapon skill, yeah, yeah. But with that, it was it was a little more like if I ran around to the backside of an enemy, it would have an effect on the overall combat. And so, like, because I played a thief, and so if you attack from behind, you'd have a sneak attack or a trick attack. If you had, you know, it affected it more than just being like oh, attack this, this, this. And so that was my first MMO I played, and I had a bunch of friends playing it. So it's like it made it such a bigger experience. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. In fact, some of my and I know I just said this about frisbee earlier, but this goes even further back. I started playing when I was eighteen, and when I was nineteen. Uh, some of the people that I was communicating with in game, I found out that we worked at the same, not not the same location, but the same store, Target. I worked mm-hmm. at Target for a while. And then they also worked in Target. I'm like, oh, yeah. Which state? California. Oh, okay. Which city? Oh, I'm in Simi Valley. What? I'm in Valencia. That's like 30 minutes at most. <laughs> <laughs> so we met up. And uh, Dustin and John and Chase and... Uh, these are all in case they might actually listen. It's a very slim chance, but I met them because of this game. Uh, oh, and hi, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Um, <laughs> I met them because of this game, and we're still good friends to this day. And these are people I met online. I had a an almost a year-long relationship with somebody that I met online who moved from Washington to California specifically to be in a relationship with me. Did you get married wow. in the game? Uh, we did. Nice. Aww. <laughs> and then she uh, she realized that she was a lesbian, and she went back to Washington. Oh, yeah. that's it. Uh, no, know, that's, no, that's, that's awesome because what, I, I mean, think she's still with the girl, and that yeah. was I think it's been nine years now. Oh, well, okay, well, good, yeah, for good them. for yeah, good yeah, for them. I feel yeah. fantastic for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, back to what? Well, what? else can you tell us about the game other than <laughs> okay. the premise? So the idea is uh, I, I played very briefly World of Warcraft. Um, it wasn't my thing but I could mm-hmm. see why it was others. I loved Final Fantasy 11 very recently. As research, I have gotten into Final Fantasy 14, which mm-hmm. I'm enjoying. Um, I did not like it the first time I tried it, but I do now. 
Um, what was your uh, racing like racing main class on the in eleven? Yeah, I was uh, an Elvon Summoner. Okay, uh, that was my main, but I also did uh, Black Mage and I did Monk and Paladin. And okay. one of the things. Two of the things I was best known for. One, I ran a casino in-game, so I was one of those really <laughs> annoying people that would shout for people to come bet their hard-earned gill at my casino. And, yeah. of course, I had ridiculous odds to win. Like, I had a 65% chance of winning, and people would still play all the time. Like, so yeah, I made a huge <laughs> amount of money doing that. Uh, in-game money, I should clarify. Yeah. You you, um, were, you were a gill seller online. Eventually, <laughs> I was. When I when I quit, I sold yeah, all my stuff. Out. Yeah, um, I had a friend I just gave my stuff to. I was like, uh, yeah. you know, it's better in your hands than mine. I needed the money to buy a car, so oh, well, yeah. good point. Yeah, uh, that was a long time ago. I don't think I'd do it again. But yeah, um, yeah so I made a ton of money uh, in the casino, and that was one of the things I was known for. The other thing I was known for was getting the Relic Shield Aegis for my Paladin when my Paladin was still level twenty three. Wow, out of seventy five. Oh. I remember leveling up in a party and equipping the Aegis and everybody in the party going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I, there, I, I was a uh, Galka, not Galka, Mithras. I was Mith- That's a huge difference. Yeah, that's two different. Wildly different races. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Mithra, Monk, Thief. Completely like, yeah. But no, it was, it was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. But the, yeah. the but Final Fantasy is research for this upcoming yeah. game. Getting back to the topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dimensions of Discord Online is intended to uh, to encapsulate both the frustrations and the joys of pe- playing MMOs because it puts you <laughs> in the role of being a guild leader, which I did for a very long time. So you're, uh, it's kind of a guild management game. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, have you played? Oh, I guess you probably haven't if you're rather new to board no. games. But Blood Bowl Team Manager. I haven't. I'm aware of Blood Bowl. I didn't know they had a team manager. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, they, yeah. yeah. Or if you played MLB The Show, the video game, yeah. uh, where you're running the front office. or It's kind of like that. Okay. That I'm a little bit more familiar sure. with. Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. Um, so the idea is you are recruiting players to your guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, you send these players to do raids or to kill monstrous foes, which are world spawn bosses. Mm-hmm. And you could do PvP against other people. Um and you're trying to get equipment to give these to your players that you've recruited to your guild, and then you're going to build up your guild hall size and your guild's reputation, and at the end of the game, whoever's reputation is the highest is the winner. So every turn, there's patch notes that come out, and these patch notes will change something that you could do during your turns. Oh, wow. Um, Like, uh, I'm shamelessly a fan of at least the first half season of Sword Art Online. Uh, yeah, I love agreed. The yeah, I I think it's a fantastic concept. I hated the second half of the first season. Yeah, I didn't like it either. I was okay with it going forward after that, but I did not like Alfheim Online. Uh, regardless, mm-hmm. I loved the concept of Sword Art Online, and there's some other shows that have done that as well, like Log Horizon and Dot Hack have had similar concepts. Dot Hack, now you're bringing back some. Memories. Dot Hack is probably <laughs> the oldest one I can think. Yeah, of. I, yeah. I love the Dot Hack games, both the original and GU. I thought yeah. they were fantastic, and what I from what I hear. There's a remaster of GU coming out and then a new property based on .hack as well, oh, wow. um, which I'm looking forward to. Regardless, <laughs> regardless. Um, so, oh shit, where was it going? Oh, one of, the, one of the patch notes is we've encountered a bug where players, can't, or where, where players who die online die in real life. <laughs> and that bug, uh, or that particular patch notes, it only comes up once, maybe. Maybe. Uh, if your player dies in a raid or a world spawn, they are removed from the game. 
So uh-huh. that's that's one of the things. But the the players that you're recruiting are meant to be kind of transitive, uh, or transient, I guess is the proper word for that. Uh, as in, they're worth. They cost a certain amount of reputation to buy them, quote unquote, to mm-hmm. get to your guild, and then you're they're also worth that amount of reputation at the end of the game. They're also worth whatever equipment you put on them. So if they leave your guild for any reason, which is entirely possible, or you replace them because your guild has a cap of how many people you could have, you lose out on those reputation points, and uh, you have to recruit new people. Now, is this this sounds like a one player game? Nope. So it's so essentially it's it's four <laughs> let's say four uh, four guild seems to be where we are. Okay, so four guild masters. Each of you are running your own individual guild. Within the uh, yes. same game yes. system. And at the beginning of the game, you get to name it, whatever you want to call it, which, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's still very early. It's in yeah. beta, and I don't want to say too much about it because JPG will murder me. No, no, it, it's just great no, that no. you broke it's, the news here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> First time, folks. Don't yeah. hold that over his head. Well, I mean... Uh, oh, no, I will. If you've not listened to the network at all, like, I'm rubbing this in his face. Well, it's also <laughs> hard to because he's so short, so he knows everything's this, over his head. <laughs> oh, dang, did yeah. I say that? He knows... Oh, wow, wow. That was... That was, that was <laughs> All right, I have no comment about that one. That's okay. Um, It's it's the first time I've gone there. I don't know why I did. I will (laughs) tell you guys something that he knows about in passing, I think. And that's uh, the lore behind this game is, you know how Warcraft has been around since like the early 90s? Yeah. And they started out with those single-player campaigns Mm -hmm. and eventually grew into World of Warcraft. Well, the fictionalized history of Dimensions of Discord is that it goes back to being a text adventure game in 1979 That's called fantastic. Dimension of Discord. <laughs> okay. So we're talking like a Zork kind of thing? Yeah. Where it's, okay. And I've made oh, this. Oh, no, I just no. played that on, on the app. Did JPG send it to you? No, you posted it on... My Facebook? Your Facebook, and I played it. Yeah. yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was enjoyable. It's getting bigger and bigger every day, and I okay. keep updating it. It's at that link. Uh, and yes, that is Dimension of Discord. And uh, did you get to the scorecard? No, I um, I had defeated the party of bandits. Okay. Or esca- I should say escape party bandits. No spoilers. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, I, that's okay. That's not a huge yeah. spoiler. But I had gotten around there and then like something had taken my attention away. And mm-hmm. because I went the, to the link through Facebook, like yeah. next time I loaded it up, it's like, oh, well, you want to look at the first person on the feed? Like, no, I was on that. Like. Okay, so we've implemented saves. Okay. You can totally save your game and load your game. Nice. Um, as long as I, I have to test to see if I re-upload the file to that website, if it'll erase your save, I'm pretty sure it will. But honestly, the game is only like 10 to 15 minutes at this point. Yeah. So um, you get to the end, I ask people to screenshot their, short, uh, their scorecard and share it because I totally have a scoreboard and achievements and you can see how many times that you died. And uh, A lot. Yeah, like one of the achievements that I really like is you do not need glasses. Because, <laughs> oh, here's an Easter egg for you guys. If you can find um, really, really, really small text that you can click on somewhere, it'll tell you that you do not need glasses, and then you get an achievement worth 10,000 points. Can Ooh. you tell in your ver- in, on your end if people are playing mobile versus uh, PC? I actually can't tell at all. Oh, okay. I can't tell who's playing, uh, if they're playing, how far they got. That's why I ask people to the screenshot their scorecard. Okay. Um, eventually, that might be possible. I don't know if it's possible with the system that I'm working with. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that is available because that uh, that type of achievement would definitely be different if like, oh, I found it on my phone, which is this little thing, versus <laughs> yeah. a, on the PC format. Well, yeah, it, it, and it works on mobile and desktop. Yeah. And um, the idea is it's going to be released for free. 
Yeah. But um, it started out as just a silly little idea that I was working with. Yeah. And it's grown so much now. I'm going to make it a full game. Nice. And I'm going to release it um, probably in the in the months prior to the Kickstarter for Dimensions of Discord and then like have it available on that site. But the whole point of the game is to get people familiar with my sense of humor and what they can <laughs> expect uh, in terms of my games. Because Dimensions of Discord is definitely going to have its funny stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, also a lot of the characters that you encounter in the text game are enemies that you might fight in the actual board game. Nice. And that's all I'm going to say on it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you're going to be sending more board games as soon as more people get familiar with uh, your work and your humor. And I am working on a few games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we publish our own, mm-hmm. um, but I am working on some games uh, with other developers that want to pitch it to other publishers, which is totally fine by me because we're small enough that we can't handle that yet. Right. So I have so many ideas that we can't do all of them ourselves. So um, working with other designers or pitching ideas uh, that I come up with or that some of my team members come up with to other publishers is something that's already happening. See, this is what I love to say. Nerd going after going something going after something he loves and yeah. it's actually, you know, built a nice community around it and supportive, welcoming. Um, and, and that's just what I love about like tabletop gaming communities in general. Um Okay, we're coming up in an hour and a half. Um, let's wrap it up there. Uh, David, this was awesome. And especially for someone like me who's so new to this world, it was fun like actually like learning about you know, the thought process and what goes into it. Um, where can they find you? Any, anything to plug? Or? Sure. Uh, <laughs> ObscureReferenceGames.com or OverlordsOfInfamy.com. We'll send you the same place. Uh, I know it's a really long long name <laughs> um but we're also on facebook and twitter but just, also a fantastic just, game overlords of infamy <laughs> oh thank you i appreciate you yeah. saying so yeah overlords of infamy it's actually available now you can purchase it we'll send it to you um all you have to do is give us money it's pretty amazing um we also have pins available we're gonna have a red bubble site up soon if you like the character artwork and you want to get that on a shirt or a mug or something like that that'll be available we'll provide those links but yeah come find us um talk to me i love talking to people all right. And awkwardly. Ooh, Ken, question? Will you be attending Stan Lee's comic, LA Comic Con? Uh, working on it. Working so on it. Uh, my contact, the ones that get us into there, mm-hmm. they're seeing if they're going to have a board game room this year. Okay. And uh, if they are, then I will be there. All right. So if, just, if you want to, look it up on the website, and hopefully we'll have info there. Also, check out Strategicon in LA. We will be there in February for sure. And Ken, where can they find you? They can find me um, at Ken... Rolo, um, and they also find me at my comic shop at Comics TNT in Tustin, California. And you can find me on Instagram at Justin under. Uh, I can't talk after this. <laughs> this is the first time where I've screwed up this part, and then like hopefully I get the next part right. It's okay. You've Usually, had less beer this time, but it's okay. But that's I don't true. Know. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I'm not, yeah. I'm not as loosened up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, you can find me on Instagram at Justin Malari and on Twitter at Justin underscore Malari. And you can find everything Geek Say What with the handle at Geek Say What on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, I think. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Neopets, <laughs> I've heard too. Neopets. Yeah, Neopets, yeah. Zanga, uh, MySpace, the past. Yeah. Friendster. Is Tom still your friend on MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, I saw him on Facebook, actually. Yeah, anyway. Tom is definitely on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then uh, don't forget to check out the other two shows on the Geek Say What Network. We have Geekao, hosted by Justin Madriaga and Ish, and Ready Set Geek, hosted by Alex Gullet, Cole, and JPG. Sorry, we stole your thunder. Actually, I'm not that sorry. Anyhow. Don't worry, JPG. I got way more for you. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Whalen Productions. You can find them at uh, Productions, uh, WS. They uh, share the space with us and help us sound great. They let us use their equipment. Don't forget to uh, check out all their projects, like uh, We're Alive and uh, what was the other one? Bronze, Bronzeville. Bronzeville. Um, and last but not least, shout out to Jordan Denae. You can find her at jordandenae.com. She is our apparel sponsor. She works out of Brooklyn, New York. She's uh, She helps you look nerdy, and she's eco-friendly. So don't forget to check her out. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, David, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> and don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe to join the offensive. Smash Thank that you. like button. <laughs>